0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org
2: to learn more.
3: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, January 11th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, critical agencies are asking lawmakers for more funding to fill job vacancies and retain staff. Then, as the enrollment deadline for the ACA marketplace nears, we hear from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation about accessing health care plans plus what the new Mississippi income tax plan means for paychecks this year. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. One of the principal tasks for lawmakers each session is to set budgets for state agencies. And that means taking a close look at salaries and vacancies in state employment. Salaries were recently adjusted under new guidelines, but many agencies still face hurdles hiring staff. MPB's Kobe Vance reports.
1: Multiple state agencies are reporting troubles with the hiring process as labor shortages continue across Mississippi. Many of these positions have remained vacant for long periods of time or low wages have contributed to high turnover rates. And while all state employment pay scales were adjusted last year, agency heads said they need more funding to fill those roles. Bob Anderson is executive director of the Mississippi Department of Human Services.
2: We have 506 vacancies right now. Our eligibility staff, some of them have been working three decades for less than $25,000 a year. We'll raise their salaries ultimately to a starting salary of about 31,000, which is a significant increase for them, but we need it. We have a 20 to 25 percent turnover rate.
1: Within recent years, Mississippi has eliminated more than 3,000 unfilled jobs within state government, and joint legislative budget recommendations have outlined another 2,000 jobs that could be eliminated this legislative session. Among the agencies asking for additional funding is the Mississippi Department of Child Protective Services. Commissioner Andrea Sanders says they need qualified caseworkers in all parts of the state to adequately protect children.
3: We can't do this job without having people where our children are. We have to respond when reports come in that a child may be being abused or neglected. That is a first responder job. So we're running a 24-7 first responder agency on what really is more of an 8-to-5 regular old state agency
4: model.
1: Agency heads say the job market and inflation are making it increasingly difficult to match the salaries offered by fast food chains and other jobs that don't require additional training.
3: Kobe Vance, MPB News. To further highlight the challenges, the Department of Human Services is having trouble hiring and keeping staff. Director Bob Anderson had this exchange with lawmakers.
2: The salary, I think, is a a big factor there. I mean, we have people who come to work for us who can walk down the street, as you well know, to Wendy's and get $15 an hour in some areas. And, you know, we're paying them at $24,000 a year. That's barely $12 an hour if they work a 2,000 hour work a year. If, if you had the salary scale where uh, you could attract the people, would you actually still need the 500 additional people? Yes, sir, I think we would because we have some counties. I can tell you we have one county that's operating with a single employee, a county director who is managing the entire county caseload right now. We have other counties that are 3, four, five, seven, eight, 12 staff positions vacant and trying to operate. I was in uh, Bay St. Louis last week. Um, we have Bay St. Louis... Uh, in Hancock County, being uh, assisted by other staff who come and work two days a week from Jackson County, from Pearl River County, and, and it's all because we simply don't have these positions filled. I think, uh, in all in all candor, we probably, with the funding, could fill pretty much all of these 500 vacancies, and um, and. And like I say, most of those are going to be out in the county scattered out across the state, where the, where the you know the rubber hits the road. That's our frontline staffing. Those are barely uh, those are the sources of most of our complaints from our client population. I can't get a hold of a caseworker. I can't find my eligibility worker because we have eligibility workers who are you know in, the, in better days. Their caseload was 200 to 400. We have some caseworkers who are managing, trying to manage 700 to 800 cases. And it's just simply uh, overwhelming to them.
3: Bob Anderson is executive director of Mississippi Department of Human Services. Coming up, as the enrollment deadline for the ACA Marketplace nears, we hear from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation about accessing health care plans. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere.
3: With the start of the new year, many are ready to tackle resolutions focused on health and wellness. And part of that means securing health insurance. For those who can't access a plan through work, the Affordable Care Act marketplace serves as an option. And those who haven't signed up yet still have time to obtain coverage, the current enrollment period ends January 15th. Dr. Katherine Hempstead, a senior policy advisor at the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, says it could be a lifeline for families amid an ongoing pandemic and high inflation rates.
0: Plans are more affordable than ever. There have been some improvements or enhancements to the premium tax credits so that more people are eligible for subsidies and those subsidies are more generous. So I would encourage listeners who may have looked in the past and thought that it was not affordable to look again because many people are finding very affordable coverage. In fact, four out of five enrollees are paying $10 or less a month for coverage. And in Mississippi, enrollment in the ACA marketplace has really increased a lot over the past two years since these Expanded tax credits have been in place. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of interest in the state, and I hope that those who still have not checked it out will take advantage of these last few days.
3: Who is eligible to sign up for the Marketplace?
0: The Marketplace is designed for people who are not receiving an affordable offer of coverage from their employer and that includes a lot of people who work in retail or hospitality or for small business. There's lots of employers, small employers that, that don't make an offer of coverage to to their employees. And um, people who are not eligible for Medicaid, which, you know, in Mississippi as a state that didn't expand Medicaid, that's a bigger population than in, in most other states. And people who are not eligible for Medicare. So it's that sort of gap that we didn't used to have a good fix for, and those people really didn't have a good option for affordable coverage, but the the ACA marketplace has probably been developed as a response to that problem. And now the market is more affordable than ever with the improvement of these subsidies.
3: If you are employed and you feel like the insurance that's being offered is too much money, can you then turn to healthcare.gov?
0: Yeah, there is a test for affordability that you would sort of go through based on your income and how much you're being asked to pay for the coverage. So people that have an offer from their employer that's not affordable, considered affordable, can be eligible for coverage in the marketplace. And there's been a, um, a fix to um, a little wrinkle in the law that's made it easier now for people who are the family members of someone who gets an affordable offer from their employer, but the offer for family coverage is not affordable. Previously, those people didn't really have a good solution, but now um, I don't know if you've heard this described before. It's called the family glitch. It was kind of a, a little glitch for family members of people who got an affordable offer for the employee, but it wasn't affordable sort of for the family. Now those family members are able to go to the marketplace and get Um, tax credits if they're eligible, even though their family member who's an employee will still stay with their affordable offer from their employer. Because sometimes the offer to the employee is far more generous than the the dependent and the family offer. So this is a little bit of a solution to that problem. And that would enable many more people now to go and seek coverage in the marketplace and hopefully save some money.
3: How has the pandemic affected signing up for health Care.gov, or has it at all?
0: No, it's had a big effect. I mean, I think the pandemic exposed a lot of problems, you know, in our um, in our healthcare system, you know, and in our public health system too, to be honest. But I think, from sort of the the healthcare perspective, I think we saw that it's our health is all connected, so it's really important for all of us, that everyone is protected and everyone has coverage and that our society can't function effectively. It's sort of as a population, we're not healthy. And it also exposed really tremendous inequality. And, you know, particularly for low income populations, populations of of color who were disproportionately exposed to the COVID-19 virus and were working in jobs that didn't come with offers of coverage and found themselves exposed to illness and then not able to take care of themselves, afraid to seek help, living with symptoms and, you know, many, many people dying. So I think that the the whole experience with the pandemic, I think, led to some recognition of, you know, some really unacceptable inequality. And we certainly haven't solved all the problems. You know, one, one other thing that would be helpful would be expanding Medicaid in all 50 states which I'm sure is something that you talk about a lot in Mississippi. But one response that was made was to make the ACA marketplace plans more affordable so that more people would take advantage of them and sign up and would have to pay less. And, and that's really translated into a big increase in enrollment.
3: In your estimation, uh, what will it take to get everyone health care coverage? Because this is an issue that your organization says it's committed to. So you've studied this.
0: Oh, that you know, that is that is a really tough question. I think that the first thing to, to do is to make sure that everybody has an affordable offer. And I think that the the marketplace is a very good way to fill an important gap that we had. And then, you know, the second thing to do is to make sure that people understand that they have an affordable offer and get people to take advantage of it. And then, you know, it's also important that we make sure that just because the premium is affordable, people's out-of-pocket needs to be reasonable, and people need to really be able to get access to providers and, and get the treatment that they need to get out of their health insurance. So there's a lot of monitoring that that needs to take place. But I think, you know, we're sort of building around a job-based system of coverage that I don't think anybody would design if they were starting over again, because it obviously has historically left tons of people out, you know, people that are not in the labor force, people that work for small employers and it's it's a real burden on employers too to to provide this coverage. But I think that the ACA marketplace is a is a really important piece of the, you know, the missing fabric around this job based system, which, you know, I think is certainly not ideal, but it's the system that that we have right now. So I think Creating this network of affordable opportunities and connecting people with those opportunities is, is the most important priority. And, frankly, closing the Medicaid coverage gap, which is something that I'm sure you're, you know, very aware of in your state and there's, a, you know, other states, too, is, is a really important thing to do because there are people in Mississippi who are going to be going to find out that they're too poor to qualify for marketplace coverage, but yet they're not able to enroll in Medicaid until, until your state expands
3: Medicaid. And um, one thing that we are dealing with here is a healthcare crisis involving our hospital system. More people that sign up for healthcare.gov would take pressure off of hospitals because they would be getting care from individual doctors and wouldn't have to rely on emergency rooms for their care when it gets to a level where they can no longer bear it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Your rural hospitals in Mississippi are under a lot of financial duress, and I know that many of them are on the brink of closing. And, you know, having a population where a lot of people are not insured puts a big burden on your health care system and your providers. So if people are covered, not only would they be more likely to stay out of the emergency room, but if they did go to the emergency room, the hospital will get paid. And that's that's really critical. I mean, Mississippi has, uh, I think uh, – 12% on insurance rate which is certainly on the high side and it's gotten better but it would you know there's a, there's a lot of room for improvement in Mississippi and if more people were covered the financial strength of your healthcare system would
3: improve Anything that I didn't ask you that's important to mention
0: You've you've asked me so many great questions this has been a really great conversation and I think you've brought out all the different reasons that you know the personal reasons the social reasons, the financial reasons, all the reasons why universal coverage is critical. And this is a really important part of the puzzle. And it's especially helpful for Mississippi. I think the thing I would just make sure is that people know that healthcare.gov is the place they need to go and they have a few more days and that, you know, Mississippi is really embracing the ACA marketplace and enrollment's growing. And there are more and more plans and choices. And I think people that go there will, will find that they have an affordable option.
3: And the deadline is Sunday at midnight.
0: That's right.
3: All right. Dr. Catherine Hempstead, Senior Policy Advisor at the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, thank you so much for taking this time to explore this issue with us and give us more details.
0: Well, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity.
3: Coming up, what the new Mississippi Income Tax Plan means for paychecks this year. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mississippians will see a slight change in their income tax withholdings this year. A state income tax reduction plan approved last year eliminates the 4% bracket on the first $5,000 of taxable income. The remaining 5% bracket drops to 4% over three years. Ryder Taft is a portfolio manager with the company New Perspectives. He shares what these changes might look like for
4: Mississippians' bottom line. In Mississippi, our income tax brackets have historically been the first $5,000, the second $5,000, the next $5,000. And so the 4% bracket is your second $5,000, and that is being phased out. There's no tax on your first $5,000 of taxable income. So this is after you do your uh, Mississippi standard deduction. This is after you do your uh, dependents, your exemptions for the state of Mississippi. So the 4% bracket was on $5,000. That total amount, you can do the math, it's about $200 in the year. So it's a couple of dollars. It's not, it's, it's not huge for some people, but there are some things you can do with it.
3: So say you make $20,000 a year. How would that benefit you?
4: Sure. If you make $20,000 a year, then just putting the picture together a little bit, your standard deduction in Mississippi is about $4,600. Your first, your, your next $5,000 after that is 0%. Uh, now in 2023, that next $5,000, so we're up to almost $15,000, your first fift, uh, $14,600, that is free and clear of Mississippi state tax. You will have 5% tax on money above that of course when you're doing your taxes you do need to look at your personal situation consult with a professional uh, when you're filling those out there can be a lot of other uh, exceptions and deductions that one takes but it does have an impact starting at the lower income levels
3: and before this what was the cutoff
4: before this it would have been the standard deduction Plus uh, only the first 5,000, so that would have been about 9,600. And the, these numbers, of course, are again, going to be personal to you. You may also have dependents who have some exemptions. You may also be putting money into an IRA, which lowers your income tax. You may have some adjustments. You may have some unearned income. You may have interest and dividends and capital gains that may get counted. We're not just talking about your one paycheck here, but it is on your payroll withholding this year that you're going to see an impact because we're talking about 2023 taxes. We're not talking about your refund that you're going to apply for this year. We're talking about the withholding on your paycheck.
3: $200 doesn't seem like much. What can you do to make it work for you more?
4: So uh, with a lower income, you can make that stretch by putting it into an IRA or an ABLE account. And the ABLE account is the, I forget the acronym, but that was set up so that you can have if you have, a, for instance, a special needs child, if you have someone who is uh, receiving some Medicaid benefits, they may benefit from an ABLE account. Uh, so you can put money in there uh, or an employer plan, a 401k. If you put $200 into there and you make less than 21750 as a single person or 43000 as a couple, then that can make you eligible for a 50% federal tax credit. So that's a way to turn that $200 into 300 for yourself, uh, increasing your savings and giving yourself more federal money back.
3: What would it take for people to see something substantial in terms of a tax reduction?
4: Uh, again, it, the state income tax is not a substantial part of most folks' income tax paid. The maximum rate is 5%, which is just drastically lower than even the minimum federal rate. Minimum federal rate is 10%, and it goes up to uh, 32, 35, 36, uh, somewhere in the 30s. I'm not uh, quite sure. And there's some surtaxes on there as well. So the Mississippi income tax is just not a huge part of folks' tax expense. In the state of Mississippi, the taxes you pay, you probably pay more in property taxes and sales taxes than you may be paying in income tax.
3: Where does the benefit
4: lie then? That's a great question.
3: Well, it does take money out of the
4: state coffers. It it does take money out of the state coffers. So actually, one of the concerns or one of the risks would be, do property taxes, do sales taxes have to rise to fill some of that gap? Because sales taxes impact everybody across the board, Uh, especially on the lower income. You're probably spending a higher proportion of your income on things that are subject to sales tax and that's already a higher rate than the 5% top rate uh, on your income so you're probably not impacted on the income tax side but very strongly impacted on the sales and grocery taxes so that's one concern also affects property owners if if state and if if local governments if municipalities they don't get the grants, they don't get the work that they need out of the state, then they may be forced to raise their taxes as well. And so that can that can hurt property owners as well.
3: All right. Well, hopefully this won't have an adverse effect on the state's budget.
4: It will definitely reduce the amount of money in the state's budget. Part of the calculation, I, I believe that people were doing initially is assuming that there would be good growth in the state's economy, and which would lead to higher collections elsewhere. So there would be more consumer spending, there would be more valuable property. So those rates could stay the same and those collections would stay the same. That remains to be seen because the income tax was a decent part of our overall tax picture. We had a fairly diverse tax picture in Mississippi, and now we're becoming more and more reliant on consumer spending, and we will just have to see where that goes. Even if it works out well, well for a few years, if there comes a time when consumer spending is not as robust while income maybe is, then we would have some issues there.
3: Ryder Tapp, thank you so much for your time in talking with us about this issue and giving us an idea of what this means for Mississippians.
4: Absolutely. Thank you so much. This has been Mississippi
3: Edition on MPB Think Radio.